Amen and amen. Amen and amen. Well, uh, one thing that I know is true about you because it's true about me is that the week of Christmas-ish into New Year's-ish, we all have a lot of time to watch TV. Say yes, right? We all have a lot of time to watch TV. And so in the spirit of that, I need you to kind of help me uh, play a little bit. Uh, what, are, what are some of your you know, favorite television shows that you might find yourself watching on any given day? What, yell those out to me. Football, yes, of course. What else? What is it? Flash, flash. What else? The Fosters, the Fosters. What else? Hallmark, Hallmark, right? I, I love how I ask what TV shows and, and people own a whole network. There you go, right? Uh, what else? What are else some of your favorite shows? Gossip Girl, right? What else? Okay, that one I'm not even going to try to pronounce there, right? But, but just like you, I like to watch television as, as well. And, uh, and here's some, some, some of my favorite shows. Uh, this first one is, uh, is Fixer Upper. Uh, it was one of my favorite ones. Pretty much anything that's on HGTV, I love it. Love Chip, love Joanna. We say goodbye, said goodbye to them in 2018. Uh, but as someone said, we have the reruns to look forward to. But I love, love that. And if you're unfamiliar with it, you know, they kind of would t- take old homes and, and remake them and then, you know, and then, and then get them right back out there and just looking awesome. But love Fixer Upper. This next one, uh, one of my more recent favorites is a show called Fast and Loud. You got Richard Rawlings there. You got Aaron Kaufman there. And what these guys would do is they would like take old cars. They would literally go out into some field in Indiana and find, you know, a 53 Chevy and get it back to the shop and like breathe new life into it. And before long, that thing was like a hot rod and just, uh, and making it happen. But I love this one. But before I show you this next one, uh, I, I need I need a little I need a little vow of uh, a vow of privacy in the room. Okay, I'm going to share a show with you, and please don't put this on social media. Uh, it, it's a show that that, that I, I enjoy as well. And also, when you walk through the doors, you might not have seen it, but on the doors it said "No Perfect People Allowed," and so I am claiming that mantle over myself. Uh, before I show you, but this next one, go ahead and put this up. This next one uh, is one of the favorites as well. And it's called Revenge Body with Chloe Kardashian, right? Oh my Lord, I, I can I can see some of you already exiting in your mind mentally, right? Uh, but 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 one of the reasons that I love these shows that I've just showed you is that there's a there's a theme through these shows, and the theme is transformation. I love shows of transformation. In fact, not only do I love them, I'm drawn to this idea uh, and theme that that there can be change, that there can be transformation, that somebody can buy. You can go ahead and pull that slide down for me real quick. I feel like I'm losing everybody. Thank you. Right. But I feel like there's this theme of change and transformation uh, that I'm drawn to. I think that all of us are drawn to. Like, I love the idea that uh, that new, fresh life can be breathed into an old house. I love the idea that new, fresh life can, can be breathed into an old car or, or even into somebody who has kind of let themselves go and now they can experience transformation. I, I love this idea and I think that you love the idea too. I think that you love this idea. But, he, but, but here's the question, I think the reason that we like it, the reason that we're drawn to it is because we have this question. It's the first slide, Jeremiah, and it's this, is that can God breathe new life to the run down parts of my life? I, I think that this is the question that we, we wrestle with, that, that stirs within us, because we want to know, can God breathe new life to those run down parts of my life? 
right? Those certain areas of, of how about uh, financially? Would anybody like God to breathe some fresh life financially say yes, right? Well, financially, yes. Relationally, all of us have a relationship with a sibling or a cousin or maybe even like a spouse. And we want to know, can God breathe new life into that old relationship? And the same is true when it comes to like our, our mental health and our emotional health, things that we have, have dragged us down for years. We want to know, can God breathe fresh new life there or our careers? You know, maybe we've been working in a career or we want to jump into a career. Can God breathe his fresh new life into those parts of my life? That's the question we wrestle with. But here's the answer. The answer is yes to that. But a better question is, then what keeps us from experiencing God's new life in those parts? And that's what I want to look at. Because, And here's why I want to look at it. Because many of you, even myself included, as we step into 2019, we're going to try to make decisions that are going to better ourselves. But I believe without what we're going to jump into this morning, we'll find ourselves on the precipice of 2020 in the same place. Because there's going to be a pattern that we're going to see from Scripture that's going to help us not only uh, answer yes to that, but actually live in that place in 2019. And so that's what I want to jump into. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to move to the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel's in the Old Testament. I'm going to give some context for us, of course. Uh, but, uh, but I would love for you to move in that direction. You can grab a copy of the Scriptures uh, by your seat or on your phone. Uh, however you get a copy of the Scriptures, we just want you to, to do that right now. And as you're moving in that direction, we're going to be in Ezekiel chapter 37, uh, beginning in verse 1. And Ezekiel, Ezekiel was a prophet. Everybody say prophet, right? Prophet's not a word that we use a lot anymore. Uh, but what a prophet was is a prophet was somebody who would spend time like, like listening for God's voice. And then once he would hear God's voice, he would then go and proclaim it to the people, usually the people of Israel, about what God was saying. Sometimes that was words of encouragement and words of hope. Uh, other times it would be words of kind of like, hey, you've missed the mark. You need to get back on the right track. And so this is what Ezekiel was. Now, Ezekiel lived during, a, a, during the, the exile. And the exile was this period in Israel's, it was a dark period in Israel's history because God had just like those old houses and those old cars and those old I won't say it, bodies, right? But just like those old things uh, that had a lot of promise, that had a lot of hope, Israel was just like that as well. There, there, was a, there was a lot of hope, there was a lot of promise for them, but uh, just through a series of events uh, of not listening to God and all sin issues, all kinds of stuff, they found themselves on this other end, kind of run down and, and wondering, can God ever breathe new life into us? And Ezekiel's gonna step in and he's actually gonna answer that question for the people of Israel. They're, because they wrestle with the same question that we wrestle with. Can God breathe new life in the old places? And so we're going to look at Ezekiel chapter 37, beginning in verse 1. If you've got it, would you say, I got it? Oh, Lord, let's try that again. If you got it, would you say, I got it? I got to give you a little disclaimer this morning. We're, we're, gonna, we're, we're ready to go. I'm revved and ready to go. And so I, I want you to kind of like jump in there. I want you to kind of uh, uh, meet me at this energy because I believe God has something powerful for you this morning. And so it says this in verse 1. It says, The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and he set me in the middle of a valley. And it was full of, say it together, Bones. It was full of bones. And he led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many, say it again, 
bones that were on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. And then he asked me, son of man, can these bones live? Now, a key word in that passage is what? Bones, 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 right? So there's bones. And what are bones? Bones represented at one time life. Like bones represent life at one point. Just yesterday, uh, we had my, my, uh, my wife's grandfather passed away. And, um, and we, did his, you know, we did his service yesterday up in San Clemente, which was like this beautiful service, uh, service. He was a firefighter for 37 years. He was married for 58 years. And like, I was honestly amazed at how many people came out uh, and were there. But but the, the bones of that man, the bones of, of Duke Reigns, is, it represented life at one time. And God takes Ezekiel and he sets him into this valley that's filled with bones. And he, not only does he set him there, he moves him around in it because he really wants him to see, like, and experience what, what he, bones. And bones represented life. Think about this. What do lives represent? They represented relationships. They re- represented hopes and dreams at one point. And he sits them in there. And then he asks him this like rhetorical, hopeless question, which is, son of man, can these bones live? Because he wanted him to really experience the death of that place. Have you ever been in a spot like that before? Maybe God did not take you and drop you in a valley of bones, thank, the God, thank Lord, right? But have you ever been in a spot that felt so dead it might as well have been a valley of bones, right? Maybe it was a relationship. There was a relationship that it's like, there is no hope for this relationship. This thing is dead. Maybe it was a career, and you're just sitting there, and there's like, there is no hope here. Maybe it's our finances. We're looking at our finance. We're looking at our banking statement. Again, and again, and again, right? And it's like, there is no, no hope there. But, what, but this morning, I want you to feel this for a second. What are your, you don't have to answer this, but I want you to feel this. I want you to go there mentally and spiritually. What, are, what is your valley of dry bones? Like if you were to really sit down and think about, man, what is your valley of dry bones? Is it a decision that you made? Is, is it maybe something that happened in the past? Is it a hope? Maybe at one time you had a hope, you had a dream for someone or for something. But what is that place? I've shared this story a few times, but um, when I graduated college, I graduated in 2007, and I graduated with two pieces of paper. One piece of paper said degree on it, and the other piece of paper said student loans on it. And I walked out of that place with with over $100,000 in student loans. Now, I don't know if you are aware of this or not, but those of us that go into what we call full-time church ministry, it's not a very lucrative career. Meaning that when you step into it, you know, it's not, it's not this like six-figure paying position. And so here I was with six figures of debt, and not only did I graduate in 2007, 2008 hit, which was like a, the kind of the recession part, which meant I, had, I was sitting here with two degrees in my hand. I could not get anybody to call me back, and I found myself working a, a temp job for the city of Cincinnati, scanning in architect plans uh, for eight hours a day, making $10 an hour. I knew what it was like to sit in the valley of dry bones because I would count all of those dry bones because they were thousands of dollars in student loans. But have you ever been in a spot where you're sitting in what might, must have, might have been, which should have been, just dry bones? This is the place that God takes Ezekiel and he sets him there. And then he says, he says can any of these things come back to life? 
And it's a rhetorical question, and Ezekiel knows that. He doesn't even, he doesn't even, he answers it, but he says, God, only you know the answer to that. And so here we are in this place of dry bones, a hopeless situation that many of us can identify with. But then God tells Ezekiel to do something that seems even more hopeless. God tells him to prophesy to the dry bones. Now, yesterday at the funeral, I, I got a chance to, I was the person that spoke and, and led that and guided that. But uh, I would, can just tell you right now that this video would have already went viral and I probably would have already been fired from here at South Hills Church if you saw me at that funeral prophesying to that box. I know you were cremated, but get up out of there. Right? And this is, and you laugh at me, but this was the absurdity of what God had asked Ezekiel to do. He says, he says go there and prophesy to that valley of bones and tell it to get up. And so, but here is a key lesson for us this morning as we step into 2019. Ezekiel doesn't tell God all the reasons why this won't work. He doesn't, tell, he doesn't tell God about, about the biology and how this is an impossibility and these things have been dead for a long time. He doesn't tell God, God, you don't know. This is going to cost X amount of dollars to do. God, you don't know what this person did to me in my past. God, you don't know what my career is like right now. He doesn't explain any of those things. Rather, he is obedient. Obedient. This is a word we do not use in church anymore because we don't like it because it doesn't feel good. But he's obedient, and he listens to God's word, and then he, not, and he acts on it. Look what he says in verse 4. Ezekiel says, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath or wind or spirit enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. This hopeless situation, this place that has no possibility of life, God tells Ezekiel to speak life to it. And when it happens, you're going to know that nobody else could have done this except for me. And he listens to him, and as he listens to him, and he speaks life to this, all of a sudden, like out of a science fiction movie, there's a rattle off in the distance, where bones start to move, where life starts to happen, where things start to come back together, firmer, firmer, firmers, femurs attached to hip bones, and clavicles, and all these pieces come back together, and tendons, and all of these things start to happen. But it happened with what? A word. A word. A word. It all happened with a word. Now, as I mentioned, and I wanted you to identify, but like, have you ever been in a hopeless situation? Have you ever been in a place that just felt hopeless? Like, I don't know how this is going to happen. I don't know how this is going to play out. I don't know what this is supposed to look like. Maybe you're looking for work and you're like, I have no idea how I'm going to get into the field I want to get into. Maybe you're looking for a, a, a spouse, but you're thinking, I don't know how that's going to happen. If anybody's ever been there before, I've been there before, okay, right? But, but when you're looking for something, I don't know how these things are going to happen, but have you ever had, been in a hopeless situation before? I've been in hopeless situations before. I've been in places where I've been without work. And I'm looking, and I've got degrees, and I've got responsibilities. I've been in that spot before. I've been in a spot where uh, I was wanting to go to seminary, but I had a bunch of debt, and I had no money, and I, but I wanted to pursue that future. been in a place where I was, I was wanting to get married. I was wanting to have a relationship, and it felt hopeless, and I didn't know how that was going to happen. But do you know what happened, interestingly? 
All of a sudden, there was an email that came through that said, you got a scholarship to go to school. All of a sudden, there was a phone call that came through and said, hey, you got the job. All of a sudden, I had a couple of, but- I had a couple of friends that said, boy, do we have a girl for you, right? But it all, all happened. Don't miss this. It all happened with a word, right? Where there was once hopelessness, where there was once despair, all of a sudden, that gets reversed based on a word, And what we're looking at and what what Ezekiel gives us in this, in this passage, is that this place was dead. There was nothing happening. And then all of a sudden, God reversed that with a word. He spoke life to it. Now, I am not a person, I'm very cautious when it comes to things like speaking life to things. I'm very cautious, the whole kind of name it, claim it thing. But I cannot deny what we are reading in this passage, that a word changed everything. And I want you to, wherever you're at this morning, whatever it is that you're dealing with, wherever those places are that you feel like that's my valley of death where I feel hopeless, you need to hear this. That can change in a moment. God can reverse that in a moment. Amen? Amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, what are we doing this morning? Right? Ask them, what are we doing? But God's word, how does this happen? God's word is how it happens. God's word has the power to reform. And here's kind of the big idea, the big point this morning. Regardless of where you're at, regardless of what you're feeling, here is the truth. The truth is, is that the valley of death is where God brings life. The valley of death is where God brings life. It's where he likes to bring life. Because we can't point at, oh, well, Ezekiel could nowhere say, I made that happen. Ezekiel nowhere could say, well, you know, I kind of gave God the idea on that thing. No. The valley of death is where God wants to bring life. It's where he does his best work. We celebrate Jesus at the cross and the tomb. It is his best work. He was dead But then he came back to life because the valley of death is where God wants to bring life. Can you have some hope this morning? I just want you to hear this, that God can bring life to your death. The places where you think there cannot be any life anymore is the place, honestly, that God probably wants to bring his life. The valley of death is where God brings life. But it's not the end of the story. It's not where the story ends. Look what the passage says. In verse 7, in verse 7, again, he's obedient. He speaks word to, words to it. In verse 7, it says, So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and bones came together, bone to bone. Now, stop there for a moment. How many of you, if you didn't believe before, you would believe now if you saw some bones coming together, say yes, right? Of course. So that's starting to happen. It's starting to move. Things are starting to come together. Bone comes to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them. But don't miss this part. But there was no breath in them. There was no breath in them. You see, things started to happen. Things started to come together, but there was no breath in them. And and when you read Ezekiel 37, 1 to 14, there's there's a common word in there as well. And it's wind, it's spirit, it's breath, and they're all the same word. And the word is ruach. Everybody say ruach, right? Like you got something in your throat. Ruach. And what it is, it's the Hebrew word for God's spirit, The Ruach, everything came together, everything formed, but there was no breath in them. There was no spirit in them. You see, can you hear something this morning? 
I believe that there are people that call themselves Christ followers where you say yes to Jesus and you're obedient and God starts to put your life together. He starts to form your life up. But then you feel like there is something missing because the pastor gets up here and talks about peace and hope and joy and love and a life that God has for us. But you're sitting there thinking, I don't know what he's talking about because I haven't experienced it. All the pieces are there. It's all happening. It's all come back together. But just like the passage says, I'm standing here, but I feel like there's no life in me. That's because you have not been filled with God's spirit yet. Now, here's a very quick theological part, because don't, don't miss me on this. When you come to faith through Christ Jesus, I believe not only, not only are you, is your soul secure with him, but I believe that that happens through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. But I also believe that there's this other part that happens, and we see it from Scripture, and that is being filled with God's Spirit. You see, I believe that, that just as much as we are intended to live with breath in our lungs, we're intended to live with God's spirit in our life. And, and I can prove this to you biologically. Hold your breath. How long can you hold your breath? Some of you maybe a little bit longer than others. Some of you I do not recommend it because I don't want to call 911, Right? But just like our physical bodies cannot operate, move, live, uh, thrive without oxygen, our spiritual lives cannot move, breathe, thrive without God's spirit breathing into it. And, and from scripture, we can see this. In scripture, very quickly, in Genesis, uh, there was this thing called tohu and bohu. And tohu and bohu is this Hebrew word. What it meant is form and fill. That even in creation language, when God created the world, he would form something. Read the Bible, Genesis 1 and 2. He would form something, and then he would fill it. He would form something, and then he would fill it. He would form something, and then he would fill it. And we see this even in the temple, when they built the temple. All this work went into building the temple, and it was so elaborate, and they had gold and all these kinds of things. But nothing happened until what? The glory of the Lord filled the temple. And then there was God's life, there was God's presence. And in Acts 2, when, we, when the church is birthed, God had spent, or Jesus had spent all this time raising up disciples and, and their, their mission was to go and to change the world and, 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 to build, and to build the church, to build the ecclesia, the called out ones. But nothing happens until the Holy Spirit comes. And then they are launched in our trajectory. You see, God's word has the power to form. I believe that God's word, which is words of life, has the power to form. But without the God's spirit, it's lifeless. You know, every week when I get a chance to speak up here, I, I work hard on, on what I'm going to deliver. I work hard. I, I look at the scriptures. I study, read commentaries, and, and, and do like, you know, when they send us off to seminary, they, they, you know, we, they make us do a ton of work, and we have to learn and all this kind of thing. So I, I grab all of this, and, and then I try to like uh, make it, I internalize it into my life, and then try to find ways where it'll be applicable to your life. And I work really, really hard at it. Some of you are like, pastor needs to work a little harder, right? No, but, but I work hard at it. But can I tell you something? Even if I, I craft the best message and I have the best commentaries and I have the best thoughts and I have, I have nuggets that you're going to tweet and you're going to send out, it was so life-changing. I know that if, if, if God doesn't breathe his spirit into my words, they fall lifeless on the ground. And the same is true when it comes to our marriages and when we try to parent and when we try to live this life. 
How many of us, we've, we've done all the right things. We went to the right schools. We didn't make big mistakes. We married the right person and we got our life all set up, but then it still felt empty. That's because you're missing God's spirit breathing his life into you. And, and, and we see this pattern in the scriptures and we see this pattern lived out in our life. And here we are on the, on the precipice of 2019 and that's why I wanted us to hear this message this morning is because you can make all the best changes. You can hire Khloe Kardashian to do your fitness training, right? You can do all of these, all of these pieces. But if God does not breathe his spirit in your life, it is lifeless. It is lifeless. And God wants us to breathe in his spirit just as much as I breathe in through my lungs. This is how God intended and created us to live our life. And so this morning, I wanna end my time And I want to end my time with how this story ended. In the story, in verse 9, Ezekiel, God said to him, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as as he commanded me. And breath entered them, and they came to life, and they stood up on their feet, a vast army. You see, this passage that we get from Ezekiel isn't just like a one-off passage, but rather this is a, a pattern that God intended for us to live. He wants us to be able to breathe in his life because those places that were dead, that relationship, that place where there were student loans, that place where there is, there is death is the place that God wants to breathe his life. But there's parts to it. The first part is this, very quickly, obedience. Everybody say obedience. Obedience, obedience, obedience. Obedience is not this uh, mean word, but rather it's like hearing what God is saying and then acting upon it. I think some of us, we want God to do these powerful things in our life. We want God to to bring our children back. We want these huge things to happen. And God, and, but God, we haven't been obedient with the small things. And God says, obedience. The second thing is speaking words of life. I do believe in the power of speaking words of life, but differently than might, you might think it. What if rather than complaining about our job and complaining about what's wrong in the world and complaining about our spouse and complaining about whatever else is going on, what if we begin to give thanks to the Lord? What if we begin to speak life of thanks? Thank you, God, for what I do have. Thank you for the family I do have. Thank you for the relationships I do have. Thank you. That, I believe, is how you you speak words of life. But this last part, don't miss it. Then you have to be filled with God's spirit. That is the difference maker. When When I was 12 years old, when I was 12 years old, I had an experience with the Lord that has forever changed and marked my life. And that was when the when I was filled with God's spirit. And the tradition I grew up in was, you know, they had an understanding of what that looked like, that it was supposed to be evidence with, with, a, with a physical manifestation. But I'm not sure if I believe that part anymore. But what I do believe is, that, is the desire and the need to be filled with God's spirit. That is, is undeniable. We see this in the New Testament where they would receive Christ and then they would be filled with the spirit. And this is what I want for you as you step into 2019. I don't want you to be in the same place in 2020 where you're struggling with the relationship, you're struggling with your faith, you're struggling with a habit that you haven't been able to kick. I want you to be filled with God's spirit, filled with his spirit. And I don't wanna make it any more complicated than that. 
We don't have to think about all the different pieces because what we see here is that God told Ezekiel to, to, to now prophesy that, that life would enter them and that's what I want for you. And so I'm gonna invite Julius. Julius is gonna make his way up here and he's gonna play for us. But, but I wanna give you an opportunity this morning and I, I know we're at right around that noon time and if you need to go check out kids and leave, you know, that's totally fine with me. But, but I, not, I don't wanna talk about this without giving you experience, without an opportunity to experience it. And so as we end our time, as Julius comes and plays, I wanna, I wanna pray for you. And if you're here this morning and you would say, Pastor, you know, maybe I, I totally get what you're saying and I want to be filled with God's spirit, I wanna pray for you. If you're here this morning and you're like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about, I'm not really familiar with that, but I, but I do want what you're talking about. I want to be filled with your spirit. I wanna pray for you. I wanna pray that you would, you would fill, be filled with God's spirit. I want you to leave this place so filled up on God's spirit that it feels like there is nothing that you cannot conquer. Nothing that life throws at you you cannot conquer. You see, because I do believe that God has called us to be more than conquerors. We read it in Romans, that, that, that through him we are more than conquerors. But that was always intended to be operated on through his spirit, through his spirit. And so this morning, I wanna give you that opportunity. I, uh, I have my back pocket here. I have a, a little thing and it's just oil. And in the scripture, oil was symbolic of the, of the Holy Spirit. It, it, all, it, there's no magic in this thing. There's no abracadabra, you know, weird stuff. It's just oil. But oil is symbolic of the presence of the Holy Spirit. And if you would like, I would like to pray with you. I would like to pray for you that you would be filled with God's Spirit. And you allow God to decide whatever that looks like, you know, however that manifests itself, that's totally up to you. But I want to pray that God would fill you with his spirit. Can you hear me this morning? This is the difference maker. This is the part that changes lives. I, I have been to seminary. I have worked for large churches. We've, I've been a part of great strategies to do all kinds of fun stuff. But I can tell you in my time in church, in my time in studying God's word, the thing that changes people's lives is the presence, the power of the Holy Spirit. Is the wind, the ruach of God. Yes, sir. The wind, the life. And I want to pray 